0: So, ladies and gentlemen, Will Ainsworth is my name, Head of Growth and Training at Open Negotiation. Um, I know that most of you know who I am, but you may not know uh, the other person on the screen. I've known Jess for about 15 years, I reckon, Jess. Yes, long time, eh? We've known each other. Yeah, we've uh, known each other since uh, Ray White days. I was uh, Ray White Geelong and, and Jess was and still is Ray White Warnable. That is part of his life uh, and his business at the moment. But Jess and I have become good friends over the years. Um, And I'm really, really honored that you decided to jump on um, for our people, because I know when I was at Ray White, if you um, uttered the word structure or database or anything like that, everyone would say, go see Jess Densley. He's the master of structure and databases and systems. So, uh, And that's how I built my career as a real estate agent, is following pretty much what you now coach. So welcome aboard, Jess. Thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks, Will. Thanks for the very kind introduction, mate. It's um, a delight to um, join you today and all
0: your listeners. Yeah, thanks very much, mate. Um, And it brings me to my first question. Um, You still own um, your business and you're still um, an owner in the business and you've obviously got a big oversee over that business, but you also branched out a number of years ago to start a mentoring and coaching um, program. So what was the decision in sort of doing the hybrid of both models there? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Will. I, I guess for me,
1: fundamentally, when I break it all down, I've always loved to see people grow and businesses grow and and I love that journey in Warrnambool and, and still love that journey and I guess for me it was almost on I think I do the same things in my coaching business as what I do in my other business and today I really in, in Warnable I, I guess I work on a lot of high high level stuff these days around recruitment and culture and a lot of the systems have been set up for a long period of time and and the team really run those really well now so we um lucky enough that the whole business is integrated in that aspect and yeah, uh, yeah I've had, just had a real passion for for growth and helping
0: people mate so it's probably the reason why I went down the, the coaching path initially and what I like about what you do is you still have your finger in the pie of actually running a real estate business so you're yeah. always current yeah um, I know when I deal with you you're always talking about current stuff you know this is what our team's doing this week as opposed to I used to know something about real estate 10 years ago and now I'm kind of pretending that I'm still have my finger on the pulse with that. Yeah, mean? absolutely, mate. I think it does hold
1: some weight, I think, and uh, I hope so. And, you know, I talk a lot about in my coaching sessions, you know, my current team and clients that we work with. And, you know, I um, talk a lot about Fergus, who, you know, Fergus Talbot, who works in Warrnambool and just recently become the number one dealmaker in the country. And I was extremely proud of that knowing that he started as my PA and I trained him up and He's uh, one of the most systemized, very much like you were in your business, one of the most systemized people that I've met. Yeah. And it just just shows, you know, real estate can be an easy business
0: if we understand those building blocks and the steps that we need to do. Yeah, correct. Um, now, when I look at your, um, your real estate coaching business, you've got like a three um, pillar philosophy and that is control, perform and scale. Yeah, tell me just a little bit? I've got further questions, by the way, but just sort of tell me the reason you've got those three as your main pillars of your philosophies.
1: Yeah, I guess when I built my coaching program, and as you mentioned, Will, systems was a big thing, and uh, I looked at, you know, I, I philosophy look at a business that they need to firstly get control, so that was the first part of our model that we developed of uh, looking at all the different areas that a business needs to get control then once they've got that part in place, we then move in to start to get into really perform and start to get some leverage. And there's a whole host of training sessions that live inside that piece. And then once they're through that, we then go into scale. And uh, you know, we take businesses who, you know, had a level where they're performing. And fundamentally, I guess where I'm at, leaders who want to um, really work on their business rather than in it. We do a lot of work in that scale part of our program, um, you know, businesses who are at that level make sure they can, um, you know, get the right training steps to get to that stage. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's essentially the, that's the model we call it the lead agency genius model. And um, essentially everything we deliver and we train on and we talk about, it all aligns back to that training model. So if we, uh, yeah. you know, we build, we build amazing content every month and we deliver a new program every month for our community and, and it all ties into some, we look at the pain points of what our community is telling us about. And then
0: we'll build a coaching session which lives in line with one of those pieces. Okay. So can we we'll just break those three down and I'll just answer yeah. the questions. So the first one is control. Um, what are your some of your top lead generation tricks or tactics, I should say?
1: Yeah, I guess well, it's a, it's you know, the million dollar question, isn't it? People want to know lead generation tactics. And I guess first I would say, you know, there's no magic bullet. I think me and you both know that. And anyone who's listening, you know, look at everyone's looking for the magic bullet. I think that in today's modern real estate world, you know, more than ever before, one agent just can't do it all. And I think because there's so much on offer now on how we can generate new leads, whether it's social, whether it's you know in person, whether it's phone, whether it's computer, whether it's SMS, whether it's chatbots, whatever it is, there's a whole host of different ways to do it. It's pretty it's pretty clear for me, well, one agent can't do it. And I look at a whole real estate business as an approach and I look at businesses who become really, really successful at lead generation and I look at their business and what I see is that the leader of the business plays a role, number one, on them generating part of the lead generation strategy. There's an admin component that plays a role and then the salespeople play their role. Um, you know, I know we've recently been talking about some stuff in our EBU system training and for me, I look at that as a business approach of what each person in the team does to generate leads. Um, I think you know everyone will have this great idea to say, you know, I want to try this and that's going to get me some new business and they'll start doing that. They'll drop one one other thing they were doing and because they just can't do it all on their own. You know, so I guess business leaders who might be listening to this call, I think my belief is business owners probably don't do enough for their team. Um, you know, I, I, I like to think that we offer a lot. And one of the things, Will, that I've been extremely proud of back in my other business in Warrnambool is that we've never, ever, ever lost a person to a competitor not since I've been a director. And, and I think one of the reasons for that is because we've always tried to offer a lot to our team. You know, we want to be able to make them more dollar productive. You know, I believe a real estate agent needs to be double productive and the business should take a lot of the stuff
0: off them that gets in the way of them, of them generating revenue. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, so a lot of agents struggle converting um, a lead into a listing. Yep. Why do you think that is? And I know there's no, as you said, there's no sort of one defined answer. But generally speaking, why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, I, I think probably laziness is a word that comes straight to mind. I think uh, if every agent who's listening into this right now, I think 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 of a time when you've got an easy listing or you made an easy sale, and we all get those. And I think what that does, it creates lazy habits through your business because all, by default, your brain's thinking that's going to happen again some stage in the future. So when is that easy listing coming or when is that easy sale going to happen? And as a result, we don't follow through on process. And I think we'll what ultimately happens is Mm -hmm. agents work too much at the at the pointy end. You know, they get a lead, they want to work on that lead when someone's looking to list in the next two to four weeks. But the people who do it really well, they work the system from probably two to 12 months better than anyone else. And I look at the agents who are phenomenal listers, is they're just disciplined around that approach of building a relationship. To be someone's agent before they need an agent, yeah. and and fundamentally, I think too many agents, you know, they don't have this mentality of where their business will be two, three years down the track. They're only thinking one, two months ahead, you know. And they just have the wrong mindset around strategizing and planning. And I think that 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 fundamentally
0: is a big struggle for agents. Yeah, I think that's a, a really valid point that you make um yeah. let's go on to perform so yep. hiring the right staff um sorry my phone's buzzing hiring the right staff um can clearly have a huge impact on your business and you mentioned um the retention phenomenal, yep. 100 within your business by the way yeah uh, what are some tips you can give on actually trying to find and hire the right staff yeah i think uh few things so um i think firstly recruiting slow
1: um one of the things that you know i've made lots of mistakes in recruitment in early days but I think recruiting really slow, not when you need it. I think that's easier said than done, but I think a lot of businesses only recruit when they feel like they need someone rather than having a, a strategy they follow across a whole 12 months. And we've built an amazing piece of training wheel around that that's had some great success in real estate businesses who follow through on it. And I think that's the part we'll try and coach them in to take it slow and actually remove gut feel from the decision-making process because a lot of people recruit people conversation, might have a coffee, there's a good gut feel, you feel like this person's going to work out, you give them the role, only to find three or six months later that person is not what you thought. Um, so one of the processes that we take people through is to try and remove a lot of those pieces out of it yeah. and actually recruit a lot slower. And I think a couple of other things, Will, for me is uh, in involving your staff. Well, I'm a big believer to involve your staff in recruitment and I think if they're actively, you know, back in my business, we set up a strategy where we actually gave out, Paid money to our existing staff when they went, when they recruited for us, so they bring us a name to speak with, and I, that new recruits stay with us for a period of time. would Would give them would give them incentives to up to two thousand dollars incentive over twelve months, yeah. um, for them to be to be on the on the ground recruiting, and I think culture wheel is a big one. You know, I think the big word culture. You know, we do a lot of work around that that space, and you know, I think for me, you know, a lot of businesses don't work hard enough on their culture. Um, you know, and I think it's like a it's like a closet smoker or a drinker, you know, Every, everyone finds out if you've got a bad culture, you yeah. know, and I think your competition will find out very quickly you're trying to recruit maybe an A-grade performer, maybe, but maybe your own culture's not that great and yet your staff are spreading that message in the community. So these people are finding out anyway.
0: Yeah, okay, that's a fair point, particularly in an area like yours where it's uh yep. one degree of separation for sure. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, sort of leads me to my next question around um, a, a cohesive team and I suppose mm. the word cohesion does fall under culture a little bit, but yeah. what, is, what does a cohesive team sort of look like? Um, and I know you can't sort of touch it and feel it, but what do you yeah. think the fundamentals behind that are?
1: Um, yeah, it's, a, I guess, a question we talk about a lot. I mean, culture for me is, and I say this with a lot, a lot of people ask me the question of, um, you know, how is it that I've been able to, live away three hours away from where my business is and it'd still be really successful and I believe culture has played a critical role in that and you know if you look at take it back to a sporting analogy here and I talk a lot about the all blacks in a lot of sessions that I run you know look at them and they've been the number one ranked sporting side in the world for a long time, probably the most successful sporting side, the all blacks ever yeah. seven nearly 75 to 80 percent winning record over 110 years. You know, that doesn't happen by chance. But when you really look deep and a lot of listeners might have read some of the books, Legacy is a really good one. Yeah. It talks about the culture and all these things that they do. And I think if you look at your business and if you've got a good cultural framework, and I've been a big believer of a cultural framework of, of what that looks like. And I always say we'll say this a lot, that back when I first became a business owner lots of years ago, I reflect back now and really think that I was just a manager and I was trying to lead my team on KPIs. So I was always about, let's get more appraisal, let's get more listings. And when we, when I went another layer up and we had a cultural management program that we talked about weekly, monthly, and quarterly, and everyone assessed themselves on it and checked in on our culture, that is when our business went up another level. Because, because what happened was it wasn't actually me holding the team accountable or making sure they'd done the activities. It was actually the team doing it to themselves. Yeah. And very much like what the All Blacks do. So when they finish a game, they'll go into the change rooms. The coaches will leave. The players will sit around and they'll assess each they'll assess each other on their team values, you know. And and to me, um, we've been doing that in our business for lots of years now. So we'll have lots of checkpoints where the team will check in and say, you know what, you know, has Will has Will lived by our team values and, and the key words and what does he need to do better and what do we think? You, and over time, I think that leads to higher productivity. Like a lot of people say to me, I've got a good culture. And everyone says that. I've got a good culture. And then I'll follow up with the question to say, tell me how consistent your business is. And they say, oh, yeah, we have good months and we have bad months. And I'll say, well, your culture's not great. Yeah, You need to accept that because you need to have a framework that actually improves culture. And that's what I've seen, Will, in a lot of businesses in my own where a great cultural framework equals higher productivity per agent. And there's no question in my mind around that.
0: Pretty powerful. I also love how the All Blacks uh, actually clean their own rooms as well. 100%. Yeah. They, they, you know, they have an
1: ethos in no ego policy and, yep. you know, one of the things that I've been very, very big on is, you know, look we know in real estate there's lots of egos. Um, you know, I think that's at the detriment to a lot of businesses when they allow egos just to take over their organisations. Yeah. You know, before they know it, the, this high-performing salesperson has got the egos making all the shots and making decisions and, and the business becomes, you know, tied to that one person who's doing all the revenue.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think personally from the outside looking in, what you've done very well is empower your team to make decisions. I mean, you said you're three hours away um, geographically. So to have people come through the ranks and actually you give them, you empower them to make decisions and whether they're right or wrong, I don't think, I think making the wrong decision is better than not making one at all personally. Yeah, 100% will. I think it's, um, you know, talk about leadership, which I know
1: we're going to touch on, and I think the word empowerment is yeah, you know, it's, it's a big thing. It's a big thing, and, and also delegation. Yeah. Easier said than done, both I think. And I think a lot of business owners go into business and they don't even know they're doing it. They become micromanagers and they want to make every decision in the business because they feel that's their right, and they feel like it's not going to be done right if I'm not involved in it, in that decision process. And and one of the things that I guess a little a part of this, Will, is I think about empowerment and delegation is um, since I've left my business, one of my key pieces is community. And we've developed a community program in that business down there where we set up an annual charity ball. And that annual charity ball has four to 500 people turn up every year. Yeah. Um, and what happens at that charity ball is it's actually ran by a staff and because I've empowered them to, to run it, and there's a power of work that goes in over twelve months to put these events together, mm-hmm. um, I've just been there as a bit of a sounding board, but I haven't gotten in the way of any of these big decisions. I've empowered them to take ownership, and what we do is they partner with a, a charity every year that that gets changed over, and and it's and it's allowed the business to go to another level just by that business not just standing as a you know for transactional based business. I think a lot of businesses get too focused on transactions. You know, and I think if you have a piece over the top, which is culture and community and all those things that we always talk about, um, I think that allows your business to stand for something more than just
0: that transactional based business. Yeah, agree. agree. Um, by the way, um, everyone watching on, if anyone has any questions for Jess via Zoom or Facebook, please pop them in um, because this is for you. So if there's any questions you've got that you want Jess to cover off on, uh, certainly if we have time, I'll, I'll post those up or ask him the questions. So please do. Throw any questions you've got in. Yeah, if my way, away. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's move on to scale. Yep. So this is a once again, I've got some pretty hard-hitting questions for you to answer in a succinct um, period of time. But yep. when would be the right time to scale up in your business?
1: Um I think I think again, we probably touched on it, Will, um, just a bit before we talked about um we talked about empowerment. And, and I think that's for me is is a really important phase to understand your empowerment. And I think once you've you got your systems right, I think we, we, you touched on at the start, you know, systems is critical. I think a lot of businesses try and scale up. They haven't got the systems in place to be able to do that and they, just, they continually have cracks along the way, you know, and I guess systems is a big word, I know, and there's lots of different areas of your business. And, you know, I look at, a, look at my business, look at lots of businesses today and those business owners or leaders of businesses that understand the different systems they need generating week to week, and they understand the role that the business needs to play in that system, and they understand the role the agent needs to play in that system. I think they're the businesses that actually can scale; they can scale up because everyone knows their roles. Yeah. Everyone knows you know, I've got my lane that I'm going to operate in. You've got your lane you're going to operate in, and no, and everyone gives each other the uh, the empowerment to be able to go down those lanes. If the mistakes made, let's come back, let's learn from that. And you would see it will in your work those businesses that perform at those higher levels. Yeah. Is you know is having great systems and everyone knowing where their role is because I think in typical real estate business, ones that don't get it right, it's just chaotic. You know, you go in there and it's just absolute chaotic. No one knows who's managing what, talking about what, and before they know it, they've just got this reactive based business model. You know, they put up that their systems are reactive, their staff are reactive. There's one coming in, one coming out, and before they know it, it just becomes too hard almost to put it all back together.
0: Yeah. It, it's not a question I sent over to you so you wouldn't have prepared yep. this for this necessarily, but it's a one I really want to ask and it can be quite a polarising <laughs> thing in real estate where the director or business owner hmm. lists and sells daily versus the one who sits back and, ma- not shouldn't say sits back, but doesn't listen, sell and spends their time managing and structuring and doing all that part of the yep. business. Do yep. you think, is there room for both or do you think, And I know that most business owners are salespeople that have gone in and then bought the business and it's kind of all they've ever known, so it's hard for them to let go. But do you think a business owner can listen, sell and compete against their own agents? Yeah, I think so. No
1: question, We I think there's room for both. I mean, it just depends on what people's visions are or where they want to be. And I ask every time I have a business owner or leader that joins my mentoring programs, the first question I ask them, yes, I said, where do you see yourself in three years from today? You know where do you want to be, what chair do you want to be sitting in, what role do you want to be playing, and then we can build out how that looks, the stepping stones towards that. And a lot of business owners will still still want to sell. There's no problems with that. I, I think if my belief around that is you've got to have a real fair policy, um, a real fair policy of if there's 50-50 if there's situations to come up, my rule always around that is we go in the favour of the salesperson, not the business, whereas I think a lot of people who get it wrong, they still list and sell. And they come across to the team like they're very greedy. If there's a 50-50 situation, they take it rather than giving it off. Yeah. Um actually just had this simple very conversation just today. we were actually with um Ferguson in Warnable, we had a situation exactly like that. And he asked me my opinion on it. And so I said, you know, my rule is the 50-50 situation, goes back to the team.
0: Okay. And see, I can see definitively that's your rule. Yeah, you can just make that up on the spot and go. I think that's what we should do. That's probably been something you implemented long ago, and everyone knows that.
1: That's right, a long, long time ago. It's it's the you know firm but fair policy, if you want to call it that. Yeah. you know, but people know that, that I'm ingrained in the culture now. Yep, hundred percent. You know, there's lots of the culture. You know, the word culture can go off into di- lots of different ways. Like there's a there's a database culture. You know, there's a there's a there's a list there's a way we get listings culture. There's a way we get to make sales culture. You know, there's a way we prospect culture. You know, there's all these different little culture fields through the business that have been developed over a number of years yeah. and they just happen on autopilot. You know, there's, um, you know, I always look at it if, if it's working like that 80% of the time and, you know, the business is going to operate extremely well and, and you know, I know a lot of people having good good markets at the moment will and the, business, the market across the country is vermin I think in most parts right at the moment. And I know it's pretty easy to say you've got PBs, but that business has done, I think, three PBs in the last four months, um, yep. which is uh, you know pretty impressive in, in the current environment.
0: Let me just give everyone a quick snapshot of the warnable market because it's mm. been a sleepy market for a long, long, long time. Yep. And you, um, and once again, not that this is, this is right or wrong, but you being a ray-wide office, very much an auction culture. Yep. Whereas your competitors were private sale, private treaty. And your days on market, can you just fill everyone in on your the variation between your business and all the other businesses in your area? Yes. How how was the the difference
1: there? Yes, over lots of years, it's probably skinnied up a little bit in the last probably 12 months with the market, but predominantly over the years, average days on market was always between 120, 150. Um, It's typically a regional days on market where a lot of them sit and our business traditionally has always been between 30 to 40 um, so there's a massive difference in the days on the market in terms of what they do around. And, and, and it's, it's an interesting question. I always talk with a lot about this. I just talk with my team about this a lot, the days on market, the discount rates, what does it really mean? And I think a long time ago when we were at that phase and for anyone who's listening and leaders and anyone who's, who you know wants to get processes right, there's a period lots and lots of years ago where it was interesting where we we got accused by our competitors that uh, maybe we were underselling our properties, and I'm I'm very open about this stuff. And and I went on a bit of an investigation process, and I said to my admin team, we need we need to set up a process where we 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 put some stats and get some facts around this over the next few months. Mm. And what we what we found was really interesting. We found that the our competitors that had these longer days on market had a higher discount rate than our business, and we were selling in a third amount of time. And it was an amazing set of data that we then had for our team, and we didn't directly target anyone because we were never into that. But we had this set of data that we knew we sold in the third third of the amount of days to sell, but our discount discount rates were lower, and that was just such an empowering thing for the team to be
0: able to to have that. Isn't that interesting? You were sort of compelled to do it because of yep. something you'd been told, but in actual fact, the stats showed the opposite effect. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, and I think
1: it's a. Uh, yeah, you know, we all everyone knows about the importance of getting the result. Everyone wants to get the results as quick as they possible, but you know we don't lose sight of the fact that we're trying to get the best price for the vendor. And I think everyone everyone says that, but I'm not quite sure that everyone follows through on that um, in real estate. You know, we all we all want to feel like, oh, we're going to get the best price, but you know,
0: I guess it's about you know how hard do we do we go to that level to get that best price? Yeah. Once again, um, I've got a few questions left. So if anyone has any questions for Jess, please do <laughs> pop them in. Um, I'd love to throw them at him because uh, he's an absolute wealth of information and I want to hold him on here as long as possible because I'm getting a lot out of it myself. So Jess, um, you shared an interesting Facebook video where you spoke about uh, clients for life. Yep. <laughs> you recap the strategies that agents can implement to achieve this goal to, to obtain clients for life. What does that mean? Yes,
1: yeah, so what does it mean? So I guess, well, let's look at it first. Let's look at We've talked about the problem in essence, you know, getting getting clients to return back to your business. You know, they, they say that on average, only around fifteen to twenty percent, and go slowly so everyone gets it. So, of all the purchases that buy off your business, when they decide to resell, there's only around fifteen to twenty percent will actually come back to your agency. And when you think about that, and go back and do a survey in your own business, so around only fifteen to twenty percent of those come back. So I guess it's a, it's a strategy, it's another training system that we've developed and it's about making sure we can create clients for life and, and some sequence of steps that we layer in over a 12-month period um, and we we, uh, we talk about business making a small investment in that. Most businesses, um, and I hope the ones listening do some of these steps, but most businesses will get to settlement day. There will be maybe a nice gift, not such a nice gift, and that's where it finishes. That's where the experience is finished for that purchaser um, so this Clients for Life process is putting a strategy in place that wows that customer uh, in the 12 months after they purchase of your agency and they become a client for life and they become a referral client of yours for life as well if you get the strategies right. And, you know, I guess, again, Will, I guess the point that I'll talk about here is this is an interesting one where if agents are listening in Clients for Life and and I guess everyone's got different business models, but again, this is a business-led and generated strategy, not a salesperson-led and generated strategy. So I believe if you want to get clients for life in your business, the business has got to control the process because if you let the salespeople control the process, it becomes inconsistent and the steps don't happen all the way through. And I guess one of the things that, again, Will, that I I feel like I've, I've, we've done well over the journey, we, we try and get this right in businesses today, is the more you can take off your salespeople and let them just list and sell, and the business controls a lot of these back-end systems, you'll get clients for life and you have better systems. And, and I think we we'll I always say to my team is if two of our customers were to walk down the main street today and they'll bump into each other and they'll have to have a conversation about their experience with our business, what would that conversation look like? Whoa. We want to make sure they're having a conversation that whether they purchased, whether they bought, whether they're a landlord, whether they're a tenant, that, that experience was the same all the way through and was consistent. So, uh, and I think that's something that we really, really worked hard on. And we we do a lot of uh, surveys. So we do fourteen day we do fourteen day customer service calls. Any person who touches the business gets a fourteen day call from our customer care team, all through every department, and everyone gets a call. Landlords, tenants, and we have surveys that come back. We give we give out awards to the team. Um, we talk about it a lot, and we talk about the surveys. And, and I think anyone out there is listening now we all um, we want Facebook reviews and we want Google reviews we want all these things but the best feedback you can get is those internal reviews yeah. because it's honest it's real and that's what allows you to control and grow your business whereas I think too, too many of us want these external reviews to make us look good whereas that's they'll all well and good it plays a role but I want the internal reviews because
0: that's what allows you to improve your business. I was thinking while you're talking about that before uh, about taking all the work away from the salespeople. Yep. Oh, well. Yeah, are you going to? Yeah, you're going to have some uh, disgruntled <laughs> directors out there because all the salespeople on here today are going to go back to their owners and say, "Well, Jess does this and Jess does that. Why can't you do it for me?" But uh, yep. is that something that over time you incrementally built? You didn't. Design- yeah, and it's a really good question, Will, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I think,
1: yeah, over time there's a strategy around that. And, and I think that there's a strategy around how we cost that out and how we create some create some structures in the business. So no one's, I guess, left out of pocket It's covering all the expenses. But I guess for me is we've got a a, a training, one of our training systems real we ran, we, we call it the engine room. And in the engine room, we talk about running the back end of your business and we deliver a, a platform to the owners on how to actually sell that to our team to get them to to buy into the investment of the cost and show them how it will actually make them more money in sales. Because I think that's the thing. If you can prove and show your sales team that these systems, yes, they might cost a little bit of money for us to run, that can actually make you 30%, 40% more productive, you know, you're going to be a pretty happy person. And that's, I guess, over time, that's what's been proven. Um, I know in my business we, we proved that to our team where we were able to double people's revenues and what they're making taking home to their families as a result of us taking all this stuff away but actually making sure it's consistent
0: Yeah. okay it
1: happens over time there's a I'm happy to talk to anyone offline about this but there's there's a few strategies to set up around
0: that um and this is by no means a pitch to jess's business but um if, if anyone does want to get in touch with you about your yep. coaching side of business what 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 should they do
1: um, yeah, they can like well, reach out to yourself. Probably my email is just jess at com. Pretty simple. Yep. Jess at jestdensley.com. Yep. Um, yeah, feel free to send me an email. I'm happy
0: to um talk about anything about that. No problem. Now, away from the real estate part, and I'm gonna get a little bit more personal. Every better agent series uh person that comes on, we ask some rapid fire <laughs> questions. Yep. Are you ready to go? Yep, go for it. Who is your hero?
1: Um, yeah, probably it's hard one to answer. Lots of heroes. Um, I mean I- First one that comes to mind is Roger Federer, but I guess another lower down is my hero is anyone who can achieve their dreams. You know, I look at through ambition and drive and anyone who just sets out to achieve something. And I think a lot of people leave dreams at the door. Um, so I look at anyone's I look at my hero as someone who's, you know, worked really, really hard and, and they've actually achieved something in life and something they've really set out to. Good answer. Are you
0: a dog or cat person or neither?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely a dog, definitely a dog. I just had a trip to
0: the vet this morning actually with our dog, so there you go. Yeah, okay, fair point. Um, do you have any, uh, speaking of dogs and pets, do you have any pet peeves? Um, probably a few, yeah.
1: I I, um, I really dislike messy people and disorganisation. <laughs> um, I uh, I still remember, it's a funny story, but when I applied for my first ever job in real estate, and then I've never thought that I'd come across as arrogant, but I sat in this interview with this, with this um, business and, and uh, you know, I was had never done real estate ever before. And they asked me for a bit of feedback, and we had the interview, and went. And I was sitting in their office, and I said, "Well, the, the only bit of feedback that I'll give is um, I'm a bit taken back by how untidy of your office is." <laughs> um, and you know, I got the job at that place, and then and, and. But I, I guess I just always hate disorganisation and people who are messy. Um, yeah, I think that's probably one of the one of the things that and people who guess make excuses and try and blame other people for their, for where they're at in life. I think that to me is um, yeah, frustrating and I've always been a one to say to people, you know, just have good internal integrity, be honest with yourself, you know, be happy, you know, be honest with yourself where you're at and don't blame other people for, for you, you know, for where you're at. Yeah. Knowing you want to be somewhere else, but you're not willing to
0: take the steps. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You, you see someone where they are today and you've only got to look back at their history to work out why. Like it's Yeah, hundred percent. It's like,
1: well, you've done well and you know, my coaching business I run now, it's four it's probably four good years old, but it's probably seven years old really. Mm. You know, all the work this three or so years I had beforehand building a lot of stuff behind the scenes and working the long hours and and all that type of stuff. And it's like when I was in sales, you'd have been the same. Mm. It's the hard work that you do behind the scenes and it's um the old question when you're talking to someone who's been successful, everyone wants to know what they're doing. You know, people say, tell me what you're doing, tell me what you're doing in the business. That's not the question. The question should be, tell me what you did. Tell yeah. me what you did. You know, it's a different question, a different phrase of question. We always want to know what they're doing now and the people, they're, they're, they're not ready to be at that level. They should ask
0: what they did to get there. Yeah. So uh, breakfast, lunch or dinner, actually I think I'm, I know the answer to this, but breakfast, lunch or dinner, what's your favourite? I
1: say breakfast. Um, yeah, I thought you know, yeah, so breakfast my favourite, but but I guess any any meal with my family, you know, I cherish the moments just on having uh, whether it's breakfast, din- uh, lunch or dinner with um, my boys and wife. I cherish those moments, but probably breakfast. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, and to finish off the uh, the question I ask every single person before we end up, what would be like the holy grail tip you'd give agents today to be a better agent? Consistency over skill. I think if you're consistent, people
1: want to. People want to always talk about skill, scripts, dialogues. You've got to. You've got to, You've got to train yourself to be consistent. You know, yeah. and I think that's what got me where I am. You know, I was never really skillful at the listing table, will, but I was always good at just being consistent and taking more action. And you know, I think that's the thing. Someone out there now, if you don't feel like you've got the skills to be where you want to be. And you're looking at someone else around you and you feel like they're more skillful than you, just say to yourself, I'm going to take more actions and I'm going to find more shots in
0: those people. And over time, I reckon you'll pass them. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. Jess Densley, as I said at the start, good friend of mine, an amazing business owner, an amazing mentor um, and coach, um, and someone who I've learned so much off over the years. Um, as they say, you're the sum of the five people you spend most time with. And I'm fortunate enough to spend a lot of time with you. So, Really appreciate it. On behalf of everyone at Open Negotiation from the Better Agent Series, thanks so much for being a part of it. Excellent. Well, again, mate, thanks for having me on. It's been a delight, mate, to
1: join you today as well.